Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Jackson trying to escape and run for it. And he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. Happy to be not having to review the Ravens versus the Dolphins game. In case you missed it, we had an episode come out just a few days ago where we... Uh, Spent the entire episode venting and complaining about what went wrong in that game Thursday night. So if you want to hear about that, please look at our previous episode and check that out. But for today, we are moving forward. We are looking forward. We're going to analyze what happened in the rest of the NFL this weekend, as well as preview the Ravens' next game against the Chicago Bears. Let me bring in my co-hosts, starting on the East Coast. Tim Horsey. Tim 72 hours we've had to, to, to rest, to sleep, to forget, to look ahead. Uh, how are you feeling as we, uh, as we look at the next week of the NFL? I will say, um, for those of you that listened to Saturday's episode, thank you so much. If you didn't, I would highly recommend it. Um, and spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't. I was angry, uh, very, very upset um, to the point of pure rage, and, and none of it was fabricated. That was all... Um, from the heart stuff, I will say. After that, I had a very nice weekend that same night. Celebrated the birthday of a good friend of mine down in Baltimore. Saturday, had a nice dinner. Sunday, was able to watch football carefree. So I have had a nice 72 hours to decompress. Um, drink probably over the limit of alcohol to maybe forget about what happened on Thursday night. And I'm feeling much better here. Being able to talk about the rest of the NFL and just how terrible the AFC North is. Cannot wait for that section of the show and to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some hope renewed for the Baltimore Ravens this coming weekend. And on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, it was, I think you maybe mentioned this in our last episode, but it was one of the more tranquil Sunday football viewing experiences for me that I've had in a long time. I, I didn't think about the Ravens. I didn't care about a lot of what was happening uh, in the NFL, and yet we still got a couple of maybe positive re- results for the Ravens. But how was uh, how was your your quiet Sunday? Yeah, it's it's good and bad because I I know how much I'm invested in this team, how much I care deeply that it makes me like you know physically ill, not well. Like <laughs> I I had a great night's sleep Saturday night, not dreading uh, or worrying about, I guess, the Ravens. We are sick um, people, man. We are just sick yeah, people. Uh, <laughs> I had a great night's sleep. I woke up. I had a delightful morning, uh, afternoon, evening watching the NFL uh, out here. And uh, yeah, to Tim's point, I feel 
a lot better than I did because, you know, maybe it's a little damning with faint praise, but the AFC North does stink, and that means the Ravens are still in first place. Um, this is a division with real issues, uh, top to bottom, and, you know, it makes me feel good in some ways because, um, you know, the Ravens aren't out of it. I think this every team in this division is incredibly flawed, and it's going to be a fight to the finish. We still have to face all but one division game remaining still on this uh, calendar. So it's going to be annoying, uh, these games. Um, but the division games, you know, cliche perhaps, but the division games are going to be what decides, uh, you know, who takes first in the title uh, because all these teams are very mediocre. And that's great news for the Ravens because they might be very mediocre also. Watching a lot of games i mean i've upped I, I think the amount of nfl that i watch week to week as we've done this podcast but having a a weekend of no ravens game either on a bye week or with this thursday night and watching a lot of other teams i i guess this is a good thing but i have been struck by how much parity there is in the nfl and how there are no perfect teams there might not be any exceptional teams or even very many very good teams it's just this mass this lump of teams that week to week could win a game by 20 points or lose a game by 20 points, which also feels like that has been happening. I would love the stats on, you know, through 10 games in the NFL. Have we had the most a team won or lost by 20 and then did the opposite the following week? It seems like that has been happening a lot more than the normal. So there's a lot of parity. The Ravens are still a winning football team. They're in first place. uh, And, and we look ahead uh, to, uh, the next the next month of of games for them to see if they can compete for a playoff spot so with this optimism time for some crushing news Uh, and that is that john harbaugh in his press conference today announced that Derek wolf will actually not probably not return uh, at all for the ravens this season we had been talking about it in the last few weeks where it seemed like maybe he was getting ready to return it seemed like he was going to come off ir and then all of a sudden he just wasn't practicing with the team, which would have been the next step after coming off IR. And now the the final blow that it is very likely Wolf will not return. Guys, what do you make of this story coming out from from the Ravens camp from Harbaugh? In terms of obviously it's you know it's bad to not have a starter come back, but had had we moved on enough at this point in the season where younger players had filled the role was it not is he not one of those guys you know n- none of us mentioned him last week as who was a player on IR that we'd love to have back he was not one of the top names that a- any of us mentioned so is this kind of is it a big deal that he's not coming back is this sort of a thing where we've already kind of patched up his his loss with other players uh, and really the fantastic season from Calais Campbell what do you make of uh, of him not returning this season, Derek? Um, I think it's a big loss. I mean, you, you talk about Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell's had a fantastic year, uh, obviously. The man is 35. Having some sort of rotation in there would have been nice. I think Justin Matabuke has been okay in the middle um, as a young guy who seemingly is going to take over from the Brandon Williamses and the Derek Wolfs uh, sooner rather than later. You know, Brandon Williams went on the field, has been his typical self, but that is an aging defensive line outside of Matabuke, maybe Broderick Washington as well, that needs some rotation. And the thing that Wolf did was quiet consistency over and over and over again on the football field. He ranked 
for most of the season last year, first among, you know, take it for what it is, but the pro football focus stats of um, defensive linemen who were good against the run. He was a sure tackler, a guy that could clog up space and, and down the stretch, a rotation at least at the very least a rotational piece. So yeah, I'm not going to hear the argument of, well, they've already kind of figured it out without him having that for, you know, what we have talked about over and over and over again on this podcast of being a terrible stretch run um, would have been really important. So yeah, I think this is a big blow for that defense. Yeah, it would have been really nice to have him. That being said, I guess I'm not too surprised that this has happened because, you know, we, we've kind of talked about it on and off air. Like, the longer these kind of injuries go on and, you know, the guy doesn't come back, doesn't come back, like, we're in the, we're in the double-digit weeks now. It's, you know, week 11 coming up. And um, so I think at least in that sense, while it would have been good to to, to have him back, certainly, like – They've gotten used to what life is like without him. And I think from that sense, like, they'll be able to at least navigate the rest of the season. But I do think it hurts. I think Derek Wolf was a, an underrated player for the Ravens last year. And at, at his age, you too, at, a, at an injury like, you know, sort of these, like, you know, back-related, <laughs> you worry, like, I, you have to, I guess, start wondering if, like, will he play football again? It, I think it's a big question mark. You miss a full season um, in your mid to late thirties, um, you know, doesn't bode great. So I don't know what the future holds for him. I hope he's able to get back on the field if he wants to, but, uh, yeah, certainly gonna hurt the Ravens uh, for the rest of this year. And you can add his name now to the list of Ravens who either played a game like Ronnie Stanley or missed the entire season. And, and we'll certainly, uh, yeah, Jason, it's a good point. I didn't really think about his sort of long-term future with with the Ravens and in the league but he's certainly a, a veteran so we'll see how he recovers from that uh in the offseason but with that we're gonna move on and just recap what happened what the heck happened in the NFL this weekend and we're gonna look at first the Ravens AFC North <laughs> rivals because there's some fun stuff to talk about and uh, I almost don't know in which order to go I'll, I'll say first the Bengals run a bye so they didn't play I'll say it by the end of all this the Ravens were still in first place. So some things must have happened. <laughs> and let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who Ooh, played boy. the Detroit Lions in Pittsburgh in what looked like the grossest conditions ever. Cold and rainy, sloppy, a mess. That field is already terrible. I can't imagine it was playable, really. Uh, and it wasn't playable offensively. Ben Roethlisberger also was out with a positive COVID test. I'm not sure if he was actually sick or symptomatic or anything, but he had to miss the game. So oh, no, 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 no. We need to report this. Ben Roethlisberger self-reported his own COVID because he is an upstanding man, unlike Aaron Rodgers, at least the narrative that everybody wanted to spin afterwards. So thank you, Ben, for doing your part. Uh, and so we had our good friend Mason Rudolph make an appearance in this game and go up against the winless... <laughs> Detroit Lions, and it was maybe the most Mason Rudolph versus the Detroit Lions that ended in a tie. Neither team had any interest in winning this game. They didn't really want to lose the game, and that's how you get ties. And I need to give, I'm going to let Jace talk about this game first, but I need to first mention that I have to give you a lot of props, because in the famous Pod Like a Raven text thread, <laughs> Jace Evans said to us, Something along the word, you know, along the lines of this is 100% going to end in a tie. And he said that before overtime even started. <laughs> so I, I turned I turn to you, Jace. 
with, uh, I suppose you watched enough of that game to just have the feel that points were going to be at a premium once we got to overtime. Yeah, it was the 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 late fourth quarter did not give me good vibes uh, heading into overtime that there was going to be uh, neither you know neither team did a particularly great job of even getting remotely close to field goal position. It seemed like at least a few times maybe someone would win this game in overtime. Deontay Johnson had a huge game um, to seemingly set the Steelers up close to field goal range before nope he fumbled the ball and then the Lions recovered. Um, the Detroit Lions promptly uh, turned that drive after De- uh, Deontay Johnson's fumble into one of the worst missed field goals I've ever seen. Like, I thought it was blocked. <laughs> I was texting some other friends. I was like, oh, man, that line got blocked at the line. And then they show the replay. No, just awful kick. Less than a well, long field goal, 48 yards, Heinz Field, never easy, but... It truly was, like, so bad. I don't know what what happened. It looked like a block kick that wasn't blocked. I've never seen something quite that awful. Um, and then they exchanged punts on a pair of three and outs. And then just when it looked like the Steelers might pull uh, this game out of their butt, as we've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers do time after time after time as Ravens fans to either stay on the Ravens' heels or stay just in front of the Ravens in the standings, um, Pat Fryermuth uh, fumbles right along the sideline with just, you know, less than 10 seconds to go, effectively ending the game um, without the Steelers being able to attempt what would have been a very long field goal. But, you know, less than 60-yard field goal, they could have tried for the win uh, at the buzzer. Uh, I read it was something like the first <laughs> first turnover with less than 10 seconds to go in overtime, like maybe ever. Um, so it was some historic stuff, and we got, uh, you know, our first tie of the 2021 NFL season out of it. Just an awful game. Jared Goff was hurt. Um, and, you know, this is a, a an overtime game. They play, uh, you know, 70 minutes of football in this one. And he finished with 114 yards. <laughs> and Rudolph wasn't much better. He had a 242 yards on 50 attempts. So it was just a baffling game all the way around. The Steelers were getting gashed on the ground by the Lions um, run game. Um in a way they usually don't very weird uh i think a tie was the appropriate result because neither team really deserved to win this game uh but yeah the the overtime was truly some of the most awful football i think i've ever watched it was just a game of who wants it less and the answer was both teams because no one won yeah i mean this was a a trash fire of a football game one that i kind of wish they didn't keep putting on red zone, but they had to because it was the only game that was still playing from the early slate late. And you're just watching. I mean, Chase, you were nice. That is the worst field goal I have ever seen. Not one of the the worst field goal. I'm sitting there thinking Motor City Dan Campbell biting kneecaps is about to get his first win in Heinz Field. And then that guy does that. It's not even close. And it's just a daily reminder that you have Justin Tucker and they do not. And you should be appreciative of it. Um I mean, I don't know how much it says about the Steelers because it is Mason Rudolph, and Mason Rudolph clearly isn't the guy there. Um, but all that being said, it is hilarious that they did worse <laughs> against the Detroit Lions than we did, and we did pretty bad. It took a record-breaking field goal for us to beat Dan Campbell. Um, poor Dan. He's not going to go 0-17. He's at least going to get his tie, which is nice to see. 
Uh, and then I will say on on Mr. Campbell, because I just can't quit him, as we're going to talk about in the gambling section, maybe. I haven't made my mind up yet, quite yet. DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Swift ran this ball 33 times for 130 yards. They ran it in total 39 times for 229 yards. And you know why they did that? Because guess who is calling the plays now? It is Motor City Dan Campbell. He <laughs> took over from Anthony Lynn, and he said, we are going ground and pound against this Pittsburgh team, old school football, Three yards in a cloud of dust. They did average almost six yards a carry, I should say. A couple couple big runs there that really boosted that average. But, yeah, they shredded a Pittsburgh defense that is obviously a, um, a, a vaunted unit, although, you know, they only scored 16 points because they had Jared Goff. So, overall, I, it's funny, and it's good that it kept Pittsburgh a little bit more at bay with the Ravens, with two games against the Ravens coming up later in the season. But... I don't really know how much it says without, and I know he's not the same player, but without Big Ben there, I still think Mason Rudolph is a, is a steep downgrade for them at quarterback. Yeah, they, they win this game with Ben Roethlisberger yeah, easily, somewhere, easily. somehow. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of statistics to look at, Jay. She touched on the quarterback play. Goff, 14 completions in a game that was 70 minutes long. That's hard to do, I feel. Mason Rudolph, 240 yards passing. That looks good on 50 attempts. It's 4.8 yards per attempt. That's not good if you follow those type of statistics. The Steelers scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game and did not score a touchdown ever again. Again, in a 70-minute football game, just field goals and punts. And then you talk about Dan Campbell, Tim. That's his first it's not his first win. It's his first non-loss. How do you do? You celebrate that? Do you pour pour a drink the, the out for that? The losing streak is over, but the winless streak, the winless streak is, is over. Has moved to thirteen, but the losing streak. Oh, the losing play. streak is over. The winless streak continues for the O eight and one Detroit Lions. Pittsburgh now five three and one. Najee Harris not knowing you could tie in the NFL. Steelers running back. That's There's always also one. Fun. There's always one. Uh, Seems like that should be something you should talk don't... about in an off-season meeting before the year starts. But I guess because they the college overtime so wildly different. I guess these guys have just and I I don't know do high school. I don't even know what high school overtimes are up to these days. But uh, yeah, I, you should know there's ties. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and you uh... knowing how games end, I feel like it's a crucial part of perhaps your job. <laughs> and then Tim, maybe the best part about this game is that Mason Rudolph at the moment is the Steelers answer at quarterback, you know, in the future, you know, put, put that in quotes, but there is a steep drop off between 75 year old Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph. So we love to see it. And we hope that uh, they try to give Rudolph another three years to get better in Pittsburgh. And else, well, and Roethlisberger might have to miss another game kind of depends um, how his COVID plays out. He is apparently vaccinated. Um, so when basically his symptoms clear up, he should be good to go. He doesn't face the, uh, the 10 day minimum that Aaron Rodgers did that we'll talk about, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. So if he misses another game, that also seems to bode well for the Ravens. Cause yeah, Mason Rudolph, not it elsewhere in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns played a football game against the Patriots in new England. And I let Jace lead, uh, the Steelers game. So I'm going to let Tim lead the Browns game here. I'm going to turn my volume down a little bit. There we go. Okay. Uh, Tim, Cleveland, 5-5 five and five 
now. They got blown out in New England by a Patriots team that unfortunately is looking scarier and scarier. Mac Jones looking more and more like a potential star quarterback for the Patriots. But let's talk about it from Cleveland's perspective because we are in the AFC North. What do you make of uh, Baker Mayfield's performance in Game 2? It's always these things in sports where that first game when you get rid of the diva or, you know, that first game you look good. Maybe you're a, a team that has no expectations. That first game of the season, you look good. Then it's the second game where you sort of have to show the consistency of your new situation. And this was game two with Beckham no longer in the picture. And Cleveland did not look as good as they did the week before against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, Tim, I turn to you to um, give us the good word about Cleveland's performance. What else do you want me to say? I told you so. Like, I wasn't even kidding. This team, let me turn it down, stinks! They absolutely stink. And look, I know Baker was hurt. Matt Judon, who has annoyed me all season because he has admittedly been good. I'm pretty sure he nutshotted Baker, and for that, I thank him. Um, I don't know. I'm not scared of the Cleveland Browns. What? I don't know what else you want me to say. I haven't been scared of the Cleveland Browns forever. They are the little brother, and they always will be. And they're salty fans who will never forget that they ran Art Modell out of town, not the other way around. Just will continue to hate us, and I will continue to hate them back. And that's all I can really say on the Cleveland thing. I think... On a serious note, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, and maybe you've been doing this for a while, I don't know. I would never, ever want to be in those vile shoes. If you even have shoes in Cleveland, who knows? You might just wear trash bags on your feet. That Baker Mayfield is not the answer. Is this the first time that you're finally considering that Baker Mayfield is not the guy? That he's not the guy that Lamar Jackson is? That he's not the guy that Josh Allen is? Two guys that you could have had in that draft, by the way? Is he that he's not, I don't know, a guy that you could have had the following year if you were just typically terrible like you usually are and like a Kyler Murray? Could have had any of these guys, by the way. Could have had any of them. And you have Baker Mayfield, probably the worst of the competent NFL starters at a young age category, however you want to say it. When they put all these ads in for like, it's Heisman versus Heisman, Baker versus Lamar. I know who I'd want, and it's not Baker Mayfield. And I think... There are serious questions for this Cleveland Browns team now on if you re-sign him. Because if you re-sign him, he ain't going to get Lamar money, but he's going to get something damn close. And I think that that would be, if I'm a Cleveland fan who has this, this most talented roster in the NFL, you know you have that because you have a guy on a rookie contract. You pay that quarterback, he loses pieces, he becomes worse, your team is even worse than what it is now, which is completely, completely not playing up to the expectations that most people, not me, had for them this season. And yeah, I don't know where you go if you're Cleveland because this is supposed to be this is supposed to be the final breakthrough point. Baker's supposed to be just good enough with his super talented roster, and then you get blown out by a team who, you know, and we do have to flip to it. And the only reason I'm not snickering through this entire thing um, is because. It, the blowout came to the worst possible opponent because I think the Patriots might legitimately be good. And I hate it. I, I have refused to accept it up until this point. And maybe I shouldn't because they beat a bad football team. I'll say it. But Mac Jones has kind of figured it out. 
Their defense is playing on another level. Matt Judon is annoyingly good. I will admit it. He is annoyingly good. And they are at six and four still. And I know Antonio will probably have more reason for this and shoot me down. And God, I hope he does. They are one of the legit AFC contenders now in a conference that, you know, frankly, doesn't really have that upper echelon elite team. I mean, maybe the league doesn't have that, but the AFC especially. So, yeah, Cleveland bad, New England probably pretty good is kind of the sum up here. And, yeah, let's just laugh all the way to the bank about Cleveland melting down yet again. I think the problem with Baker, Tim, that you kind of touched on, I think we've commercials, about in, in... all the commercials, <laughs> all the hype for a guy who was mediocre and has never been anything more than average. Well, but that's, that's exactly the, my problem, I think. It, but like the Browns haven't had average. I think we've talked about this a little bit, but like you, you let Baker go and then you're playing QB roulette again. I do think he at least brings a baseline of competence that they haven't had you know, in 20 years, but I think he has a clear ceiling and he's just wildly inconsistent. I mean, he was just awful. It's not a good look. Admittedly, he came in a garbage time, but Case Keenum steps in and has more yards than you on only 12 attempts. When you throw the ball 21 times, that's not great. Um, and, um, to, to kind of focus on the other side of the ball, the Browns defense got torn apart in this game. They, the, the Patriots are, Really, you know, I think we got so used to just what they were with Tom Brady, but they've kind of reverted to sort of, which I imagine is what Bill Belichick probably, you know, his dream football team, but like run the ball, pound. Oh God, he loves, he loves this team so much. It's so annoying. Yeah. Well, in this team, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because every time he was there, I was just mad about Tom Brady, but it does seem like this team, like enjoys playing with each other more so than maybe the later years of the Brady era. Like you see when Jacoby Myers scores his first touchdown, like the entire team mobbed him to celebrate as uh, Myers broke the longest streak in NFL history, actually for most grabs without a touchdown. He had gone 135 catches without getting in the end zone. So good for him. Uh, His teammates were excited, but yeah, I hate it. The Patriots um, play really good defense. They run the ball pretty well. Their offensive line's pretty good. And, um, yeah, I don't know how great Mac Jones is. You know, he had a good game, but at the end of the day, he also threw for, you know, less than 200 yards still. Not that they needed him to. He made some big throws, and he had three TDs. So I don't know what his ceiling is, but I do think he's very solid and doesn't make, um, I think, the mistakes that, like, a typical rookie quarterback um, makes. And I don't think they'll win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but they're going to be a hard out in the playoffs. And I think they're pretty, I think they're not a shoe in, but I think there's a very good chance they make the playoffs at this point um, at six and four. And yeah, they just had a good game plan and they just dominated the Browns in this game. They had the ball for 34 minutes to the Browns 25. And yeah, I don't know. Baker, Baker is uh, a problem for the Browns. If he's just this consistent week to week, this, you know, they're a 500 team and it's as he goes, they kind of go. And, we should also just mention Nick Chubb also out of the, for this game with COVID. Um, but, you know, Dearness Johnson didn't have a bad game, and he rushed for, like, a nearly 150 yards against the Broncos a few weeks ago. So, um, but Chubb, very good. Uh, obviously, and important to what they do because uh, he takes some pressure off Baker. But, yeah, that was an offer. Certainly, I think the most eye-opening performance of Week 10 was this, I mean, 45-7. to seven. That's, And, and that's Jace, as one-sided as it gets. 45-7. to seven. And it was 7 nothing Cleveland, to start this game. <laughs> yeah. And it goes touchdown, and then the, the 
drives for the New England Patriots go touchdown, 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 field goal, punt, touchdown, 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 end of game. Like an absolute <laughs> shellacking for a team that is supposed to have, you know, incredible talent on both sides of the football. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I, I don't I don't need to give Baker Mayfield any uh, help here. I, I don't like him. I don't think he's the answer in terms of making a deep playoff run and winning. So please resign him, Cleveland, please. But but I think he is right. I think he is in that sweet spot, as, as Jace mentioned, where they can't just go guessing again for a quarterback after he has shown promise. He's got a bad shoulder. He hurt his knee in this game. They don't have Nick Chubb. They don't have Kareem Hunt. This team is built around those two backs, everything off of play action based on them succeeding from the, you know, with the run early, and he started the game without them. He, but then you flip it though. Threw a horrible interception early in that game, uh, and it's just a, and he does that a lot down in distance where he doesn't need to throw the interception or he needs to know to get rid of the ball and he gets hit. We've joked around on this podcast before the scramble away from a pass rusher, get out of the pocket, and then pretend like that pass rusher is never coming back to try to get you the second time, and then just getting slammed from behind. He's done that a couple of times, so there's certainly some areas that he still doesn't really have a good feel for, but in this particular game, a game that got away from, from that whole team, the defense, to me, has always been their their stronger side of the ball, and giving up 45 points to Mac Jones is, is maybe questionable for them as well. But that's what concerns me about Mac Jones, Tim. When you said knock, the, you know, knock the Patriots down a little bit. He, I look. I'm going to say this. He is not Tom Brady. He's not close to being Tom Brady. He's a rookie. Tom Brady's the greatest NFL player in the history of the NFL. <laughs> but his game is annoyingly a smaller minor league version of what Brady did well. He is stands tall in the pocket. He's not afraid of pressure. He hits guys. His accuracy is ridiculous for a rookie. I thought in the first half of the season all he was doing were the little three, four-yard passes, and that's how he was having success. And that is what clearly Belichick was telling him to do as a rookie, get the ball out, take three yards. But he's starting to stretch it. He's starting to connect on those 15, 20-yard crossing routes or post patterns. It's it's frustrating to see, to, uh, to say the least. He hit Hunter Henry a couple of times where he was... Hunter Henry was not open, basically. Like, it's one of those uh, cliches about how the window to hit a receiver in the NFL is much different than the window is in college. And he's connecting on, with the NFL window now on deep throws. He only had 200 yards, Jace, as, as you mentioned, but 19 of 23 against a pretty good <laughs> Cleveland Browns defense. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm concerned. The only thing I will say, I'm concerned long-term with Mac Jones, but the Patriots, they play the Falcons on Thursday night. After that, they have a stretch of games that's basically going to be their prove-it stretch, just like the Ravens have. They host the Titans. They travel to the Bills. They travel to (laughs) Indianapolis to play the Colts, and then they host the Bills at home. Those are four games against teams. I mean, the Colts maybe, but... Four teams that are either in the playoff, you know, leading their divisions or making a playoff push, trying to in the in the Colts. So that's four games that I want to see how they do in that stretch. They could lose all four of those games, in my opinion. They could go one and three, and all of a sudden the season is looking, uh, you know, a little bit different for them. 
The last thing about the Patriots that annoys me, because why not take a few minutes here? Damian Harris, their running back, was out for this game, and they're just they've reached the point of doesn't matter who the running back is, and I don't like that. They had Ramondre Stevenson play this game. I don't know who that is. 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. He was knocking people over, hitting the hole with alarming speed. And uh, that's just another dude that the Patriots are not going to have in the backfield making plays for them. So we'll see. We'll see how, how New England goes over the next month. But as for Cleveland, Tim, they just it looks like they're just sitting perfectly in mediocrity, and that is not how uh, not how you succeed in the NFL, really. It is all I could ever want, you know, outside of them being an absolute train wreck, which they're not. And that, you know what? Credit to them, I guess, because they usually have been a year in and year out. Um, I will say just quickly on the Patriots, too. Um, I'm not here to hear the Mac Jones, you know, he should have gone number one overall BS that you're hearing from some people. I think he's in the perfect quarterback in the perfect situation. We all knew it when it happened. Kyle Shanahan, why didn't you just take him? In San Francisco, I think Shanahan's reputation is is dwindling at an alarming rate, and we'll see as we record what happens uh, tonight against the Rams. You'll know by the time you're listening to this. But I think it's interesting, um, looking at the AFC East just a little bit here, um, the Bills are 6-3, and three, the Patriots are 6-4, and four, so they're right behind them, obviously. Antonio, you already mentioned the schedule, and what you didn't mention after the prove-it stretch is Patriots go home against the Jaguars and away to the Dolphins, which, you know, they hate Miami as much as the Ravens do. So maybe that could be a tough uh, game there at the end. The Bills, however, I think have a tougher schedule here. And, and it depends on what you think about some of these teams. They, uh, they host the Colts. Then they have to travel to New Orleans to play the Saints. It's going to be Trevor Simeon, I know, but New Orleans is never an easy place to play. And, and, and who the hell knows what this New Orleans team is week in and week out. So it's either, if it's a good week for New Orleans, it could be tough for the Bills who, you know, as we've seen, have lost to the Jaguars. So who knows what they are, um, even with the bounce back. You mentioned the two games against the Patriots. They also have the Buccaneers in Tampa. They, they host the Panthers. We'll see with Cam. I don't think there's going to be anything special there. Falcons, who are, you don't really know, and the Jets. So Panthers, relatively tough. Buccaneers, Saints, Colts. Obviously, the Patriots have the Colts, too. It's going to be those two games against each other much like it's going to be for the Ravens, I think, with the four games that they still have left against the Browns and the Steelers, and then don't forget the one against the Bengals who have already blown their doors off this year that are going to decide the AFC East. And, yeah, I think the point of this is we've seen rookies hit a wall. I think Mac Jones is in the best possible situation where he probably won't hit that wall because he's got such a support system around him and, you know, the top of this conversation, like you said, Antonio, it is going to make the Patriots an incredibly tough out in the playoffs. And, you know, God willing, the Ravens get there. And if they do, that terrifies me. Elsewhere in the NFL, we had what was supposed to be one of those premier quarterback matchups. Aaron Rodgers off the COVID, quote unquote, off the COVID list. Russell Wilson back with a healthy finger and hand ready to play. For Packers versus Seahawks uh, Sunday night, two potential, like maybe already guaranteed Hall of Fame quarterbacks, certainly one of them. I, I don't know what you guys would say about Russell Wilson already being a Hall of Fame quarterback. But anyway, two potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks going at it, and it was quite a dud of a game. Three to nothing at the end of the third quarter, ended up with the <laughs> Packers winning 17 to nothing. A lot of punts early. 
interceptions late, finally a couple of, you know, underwhelming touchdown drives, let's say, by the Packers. Uh, I don't think either quarterback in this game, yeah, no touchdowns from either one of these two future Hall of Famers, but three interceptions. And it was quite a dud for, for Sunday night. Uh, well, I say Sunday night, actually. It was Sunday. It was a 4, 4 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, 4 o'clock game, so I take it back. Which, thank goodness they didn't make it the Sunday night game because of how much of a dud that it was. Uh, how much of this game did you guys see, or, or did you change the channel when it was still 3 to nothing? I mean, they kept forcing it on red zone because it is, you know, supposed to be the premier matchup. Look, I think the biggest takeaway here is that neither quarterback was good. They're both coming back. That's fine. Russell Wilson, do stop with the hype video. I'm back. BS. <laughs> just stop. You can't do that and then show up like this. It's just the whole Russell Wilson persona annoys the hell out of me. But that's... Tim, he rehabbed 19 hours a day for a finger injury. Yeah. Have you ever met agents in PR departments? I'd like you to meet those too because they're take you behind the curtain. That's what happened. Um, my, my only other thing here, and look, this could be just a, as a disgruntled Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones fantasy owner. Um, remember when everybody killed them for picking AJ Dillon and just like they picked Jordan love and AJ Dillon. And I, th- I think it was the same draft. Yeah. AJ Dillon was a rookie last year as well. Yeah, he was the second, round he was pick the second round pick to Jordan love <laughs> and people killed the Packers. And you know what? Based on the little we've seen of Jordan love, Maybe rightfully so, but A.J. Dillon is a player um, and and a bowling ball of a man. Everybody knows it, but he is sort of taken over as that guy, especially late in this season now when it gets really cold. You know, 21 rushes, 66 yards, but he had the two touchdowns, and he's just one of those guys, like a Derrick Henry, fourth quarter comes, you don't want to hit him. So I think that's going to be another added facet to this offense for the Green Bay Packers that I think could work. the only other thing I have from this, they ruined the snow game. I saw snow in Green Bay. They hyped it up as a snow game, and I'm waiting for it. They flip it to red zone, and it's going to be all the snow coming down and, and every, like the, the mustaches got all the, the, the snowflakes on them and everything, and people are freezing cold. There's guys in Green Bay with their shirts off just eating it up because Green Bay people are, frankly, crazy, but good for them. And then we forget that the field is heated and that there's no snow anymore. So that was sad. Yeah, minimal flurries, uh, no snow on the actual field. Uh, you're right with AJ Dillon, Tim. He never, he's one of these guys who never seems to lose yards, which I always enjoy with running backs. He's just huge, and they'll probably have to lean on him because it seems like Aaron Jones is going to miss at least a little bit of time. Um, I believe they said an MCL injury. But, um, yeah, this game stunk uh, for the most part. <laughs> um, uh you know, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, as you said, no touchdowns, but they did manage to both throw interceptions in the end zone. So that was at least uh, those plays were a little bit of ex- exciting, but it shouldn't have been too much of a surprise. I don't think coming off, um, you know, Rodgers basically didn't practice. He had like a little bit of practice time Saturday. Uh, and then otherwise that was it. Wilson, I, I think probably practiced more, but he certainly seemed like he wasn't actually quite back, you know, 20 for 40, 161, two interceptions. That's that's one of the worst games Russell Wilson ever played. And well, and maybe the worst. The Seahawks had never been shut out when he was the starting quarterback for them in his 10 seasons. So um, it was just a, a dud, as you said, all the way around. Uh, I was really, I, I, I let myself buy into the hype. I was like, oh, this game's going to be awesome. Roger's back. 
you know, Wilson back, Lambeau Field, Sunday afternoon. As Tim said, snow flurries in the forecast, and then it was it just it stunk. It was a bad game. JC. But that's the NFL. You get sometimes it uh, sometimes the hype doesn't cash, and then other times it does, and we remember those games. So. Jace, you talk about the Russell Wilson nineteen hours of rehabbing his finger. I feel like that's <laughs> like once he did the rehab for an hour, and they put tape on the finger, they just count that as that's inactive <laughs> rehab right there. So we'll just keep the clock. Rolling on that full 19 hours. Yeah, I'm not sure how much else you could really do for your finger. I'm not a finger expert, but... <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the NFL, I'm going to run through a couple of games here and then see um, maybe what got your guys' attention, which teams you think are back, which teams are are gone or out of playoff contention. But some games that I watched, and the first one that I want to talk about is just what I think is a microcosm of what this NFL season has been. My brother-in-law is a big Dallas Cowboys fan, so I guess I watch more minutes of the Dallas Cowboys than I would otherwise or pay attention to what the Cowboys are doing more than I would normally. Last week, or I should say nine days ago, the Cowboys at home at a certain point were down 30 to nothing against the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are fine. <laughs> the follow which, that the Cowboys end up losing that game, you move ahead to this week, and the Dallas Cowboys at home win by 40 against the Atlanta Falcons. Just your classic 70-point <laughs> swing against mediocre opponents. Both games at home. I don't understand it. Uh, Cam Newton signed for the Carolina Panthers this past week. And then he played for the Panthers against the Cardinals. Had two touchdowns in that game. One running and one passing. Looks like he's going to be the starter for them moving forward. The Tampa Bay Bucks not only don't cover cough cough against Washington, they don't even win. They just lose straight up. Tom Brady had two interceptions in that game, one that was not his fault at all, and one that was very much his fault. I was watching parts of that game, and in the highlights that I watched, the announcer mentioned at a certain point, and this seems baffling to me, that Washington had not had a lead at any point in the season, of more than six points until this game. We were eight <laughs> games into the NFL season. They have multiple wins, and yet they had not held, at any point, a lead of seven <laughs> points or more. They finally broke that streak by beating the Bucks. Kansas City finds a little bit of offensive rhythm. They, th there's that final, that Patrick Mahomes performance that everybody was waiting to see for the past month. And now they're concerning, again, because the Chiefs could now just turn this around and go on a run. And the Titans win again. They tried to give it away late to the New Orleans Saints, but win by two. Tennessee Titans have now won six games in a row and multiple games since losing Derrick Henry. They're eight and two. Guys, what of this or other games across the NFL did you guys uh, enjoy this week? Um, for me, the, 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 the big story has to be the Chiefs. Um, I, I think, you know, I wasn't shocked that the Chiefs won. I don't think, uh, you know, I try not to play too much of the hot take game. I wasn't writing off the Chiefs by any means. There were certainly several concerning performances, but I think you have to look at, uh, you know, Mahomes dropping 400 yards and five TDs uh, against one of the team's biggest rival to uh, – Oh yeah, retake first place in the AFC West after all that hand wringing. The Chiefs are leading their division again. I I think that's 
the big thing. The, the Chiefs are back in the in the division race. They have, you know, they're what a, a one win or one loss behind the Ravens for the second AFC uh, playoff spot at the moment, just behind the Titans. So I think them getting on track is obviously a concern. Um, as we talked about with the Ravens, I think one or two weeks ago, the NFL season is a long season, and uh, I think the Chiefs' struggles this year will. If they start going on a run uh, from here on out, will kind of serve as a reminder of that because they looked really good and they have a, a huge matchup with the Dallas Cowboys this week. That'll really, I think, say a lot about where the Chiefs are in terms of how "quote unquote" back they are. But I still think they're in great shape to even if they're not like if they lose to Dallas, I still think they're in good shape because I still think they're now in the driver's seat to probably win that division and you know just. Mahomes kind of serving a reminder on the national stage. I do want to, before I kick to Tim uh, and you, Antonio, I do just want to give a shout out to the Washington football team who sealed this game against the Buccaneers with the longest drive uh, in the NFL uh, uh, season this year. 19 plays, 10-26, 80-yard drive, but 19 plays over 10 minutes, touchdown on fourth down, uh, they plunge it in. Riverboat Ron going for the win uh, to beat the Bucks. You know, Tom Brady basically never gets the ball back in a position to actually win. The Bucks or uh, the Washington scores with 29 seconds to go. Take basically the final 10 and a half minutes off the clock. That it was beautiful. That's you know when we talk about what we want football to be. That was uh, an amazing drive and what I I aspire the Ravens to do every time they touch the ball. Yeah, fat chance this year, Jason. Um, <laughs> you guys have pretty, pretty much hit everything. Uh, to, to touch on the Chiefs a little bit, it's going to be – I mean, this is how up and down the league is. I think a lot of the results that we've seen this year have shown that a lot of these teams just have a eh, bad week, and hopefully the Ravens can just say that about a couple of their wins uh, – or a couple of their losses, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, I'm thinking Bengals and Dolphins in particular, especially that latter one because it is still a fresh wound. The Chiefs are probably back, right? The Chiefs are probably – they're probably not as good as they were on Sunday night. They're probably not as bad as they've been a lot of the season. They're somewhere in the middle. That's how most of these things work out. What I think is interesting, too, to, to carry it to another game, is that they're probably going to win that division. Denver is toast. Remember Denver beat the brakes off of Dallas and then just lost to Philly? Like, that's how this league has worked this year. Um, the the Charger – the Raiders, who they beat, obviously, have – a, a myriad of problems that we don't even need to get into here. You know them if you listen to this podcast. And the Chargers, I mean, what the hell? Like, what happened to the Chargers? And it just seems like a team, Justin Herbert is is struggling a little bit. The Vikings are such an up-and-down team anyway, but this Chargers side was supposed to be a team that was going to compete at the top of the AFC North, and ever, or AFC, AFC, excuse me. And ever since the Ravens, you know, took them behind the woodshed for lack of a better term. They've kind of just been middling the entire time, which I think is strange. Um, so all that being said, chiefs are making the playoffs. Chiefs are going to be a threat. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like we, we were throwing dirt on the, on the coffin or on the grave way too early. And then just the other one too. I mean, you, you mentioned it in passing Antonio, but we do need to recognize it in a AFC that is wide open. That frankly is devoid of the elite, all powerful team um, that we usually see in the Patriots and more recently the Kansas city chiefs, as we mentioned, the Tennessee Titans continue to roll. They continue to win. It wasn't pretty, 
23-21, but that, you know, sometimes they're not going to be pretty. They're not going to be blowouts. And that's another scalp for this Tennessee Titans, who I remind you have beaten in the last one, two, three, four, five weeks. They have beaten the Bills. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the Colts. They blew the doors off the Rams, and they have beaten the Saints. Couple that with a Seahawks win, even though they might not be as great as we think. And another win against the Colts, so the season sweep there. Tennessee's probably the team to beat, which nobody had at the beginning of the year. And those are all playoff teams from last season, Tim, you just yep. named. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, it doesn't make any, you know, it. this can't be right. Uh, so I can't wait for that team to win 13 games and then lose the first round, their first round playoff matchup. That's sort of the long sort of fortune telling that I'm, <laughs> that I'm going to be doing for this tennis Tennessee Titans team when they're unable to run the ball in the postseason because they don't have Derrick Henry. Uh, but for now, they're absolutely keeping it rolling. I will say this as many times as I need to. Uh, I tried to tell you guys earlier in the preseason that they were my lock for over nine wins. That was their number this year, nine in a 17-game season, and they're going to hit that potentially before December, which is really impressive for them. Uh, that's going to do it for the NFL segment for us. We're going to turn now to the random Raven and then preview the Ravens versus Chicago Bears. Jace, you are up this week, so who do you have for us? Yeah, so I went a little harder this week, I think, because I feel like I've been serving up some easier ones. Although, if you if you know certain positions, you might get this one. So let's dive into it. Uh, clue one, this player spent just one season with the Ravens in 2002. Though he did not begin the season as the starter, he ended it as the leading passer on the 2002 Ravens with 2,084 yards after future random Raven Chris Redmond was forced out of the lineup for the final 10 games of the season due to a back injury. Clue number three, our random Raven for this week posted a 4-6 and six record as the starter in 2002, throwing 13 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. This player was a sixth-round pick of the New York Jets in 1992. But prior to his time in Baltimore, he saw his great success with the rival Cincinnati Bengals, where he played from 1994 to 1999. He even made a Pro Bowl in 1995 after throwing for 3,822 yards and 20, uh, 28 touchdowns. Clue number five. In all, this player took the field for seven different NFL franchises, with the Chicago Bears being his final stop in 2005. And I have a bonus clue uh, if you need it now or later. I definitely thought I knew it from, like, clue two. And then now I have no idea. I have no idea. I thought this was a random Raven that we had potentially done. I did a quick search on our on our doc here. He wasn't on there. So I was like, oh, it's definitely beep, beep. And then the Bengals thing. The Pro Bowl with the Bengals completely threw me for a loop. <laughs> I almost want you to read the clues again, but I guess that's why we do that at the end of the episode. So I'll just wait. <laughs> I'll just wait for that, I guess. Uh, but what was it? What were his? Um, did you mention his stats for the 2002 season, Jace? Yes. Uh, so just um, overall, uh, we have a four and six record as a starter in ten games, uh, thirteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions, and two thousand and eighty-four passing yards. Oh, I'm frustrated. This is, yeah. <laughs> we should get this, but I'm going to need that bonus clue at the end of the episode. But, Jace, what a pull. for The fact that we, at the moment, cannot name a quarterback as the random <laughs> Raven maybe speaks to 
the Ravens history, but we'll see if we can answer that by the end of the episode. That's a fantastic uh, effort there by you. Good job by you. Um, <laughs> and let's turn now to the Ravens' next matchup because we're not talking about the Miami Dolphins game. It's over with. It's in the past. It'll never happen again. The Ravens, 6-3, and three, traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. Ravens, six-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorites in this one. The Ravens coming off extra rest, having played on Thursday night. The Bears coming off of a bye, even more rest than the Ravens will have going into this. And I turn first to the Ravens, offensively first, the Bears defensively, guys. I don't know what to expect from this Ravens offense, <laughs> based on what we've seen the last couple of games. I mean, it's here's some good analysis for you. They could score 30 points. They could struggle to get first downs just at all, which happened way too many times in their previous game. And I won't mention against who. The Bears, meanwhile, 12th in yards per game defensively. The Ravens still second in yards per game in terms of as an offensive unit. So, Jace, let's start with you. What do you see for this game coming uh, coming ahead on, on Sunday with the Ravens' offense? Are they going to dominate? Are they going to go three and out on every possession? Is it somewhere in the middle? Uh, how do you see the Ravens uh, looking offensively? <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely somewhere um, in the middle. I, I, I'm i with you in that I don't really know what to think because I, I think we got on this program and we said we were not worried about the Dolphins and yada, 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 and, and then the Ravens had the worst game of the Lamar era. So I, I don't know really what I'm confident in saying about the Ravens' offense. I will say it has to improve just based on time to prepare. We've talked, the Ravens, historically, have always done very good under Harbaugh after a bye. This is a mini bye. You have 10 days to prepare uh, for the Chicago Bears, who, frankly, um, you know, not the greatest team in the world. Uh, <laughs> but um, there's definitely some concerning... Uh, trends for the Ravens offense that kind of stick out one is Lamar Jackson is the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL um notable when you're facing a guy like a Khalil Mack um and you know especially if Tyree Phillips is still inserted at the right tackle where presumably Mack would generally be lining up across from him uh that's kind of the side he rushes from more so that's a giant concern for me, <laughs> obviously. Um, the Bears have some decent playmakers, but uh, another thing, and these are, Jeff Zarebic released a very great piece on The Athletic today, um, just some weird numbers. The Ravens don't have any plays over 50 yards, which is uh, kind of weird uh, for a, an offense that has Lamar Jackson, so let's try to have one explosive play this game. I think that would help, uh, you know. Um uh, big plays or how you score points in the NFL. Um, so that would, that's something I'm also looking for. And then, yeah, the, the protection um, is really the thing, especially in the face of, I think what we saw with the dolphins blitzing just like crazy. I think that's something you wonder if the bears are going to try the same thing. I don't think Matt Nagy is the most creative coach so I can see him borrowing heavily from uh what the dolphins did there so that that's my other concern is are the bears going to blitz and if so do the ravens have any answers this week with some extra time i mean if they don't then fire the entire coaching staff because like (laughs) it's been 10 days and four quarters of the last game 
So it's the, the, literally the easiest thing for the Bears to go, that worked. Let's try that. And if you, don't, if you can't adjust that, it's ridiculous. We should say Khalil Mack hasn't played in a while. He did sustain an injury in early October. Uh, he is making his – it looks like he's going to play. And that's horrifying. Um, as a guy who is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL against, as Jace mentioned, Tyree Phillips should be, um, you know, advantage Bears. And, look, I think the biggest thing is here – they have to be able to protect the quarterback, whether it's, you know, we know it's more of a deep passing game now. We know he's going to take more sacks than usual, but protection comes on all fronts. It comes with the offensive line playing better. It comes with the running game being established better. And it comes to Jackson getting rid of the football more if he has to. And, and that could be throwing the ball out of bounds. It's fine. And I think they have to realize that, look, this deep passing game that they're going to do, it might be time to adjust some of that sometimes if the offensive line is going to be this putrid. Um, so, you know, that's something to watch for. Eddie Jackson is a, a another guy come, who is coming off some injury stuff, I believe. Interesting to see. He, he a couple years ago, was one of the best um, ball hawks in the NFL. Hasn't been as much recently, but still has the talent to do that. And then, look, from a pure footballing sense, watch Roquan Smith. The middle linebacker for them is one of the best in the NFL. He's probably right below the Fred Warner, Darius Leonard level. But my God, the dude is, and I use this phrase a lot with some people, but this one I really mean it, is like a hammer combined with a missile. Because he's a missile because he's fast, but he's a hammer because he hits so, so hard. And he is a man that, you know, I don't know if he can keep up with Lamar Jackson in a foot race, but he'll certainly do better than most NFL defenders at kind of keeping him in tow. So it is something to watch. Rokon Smith, number 58, the middle linebacker. And if you want to step back from your purple-tinted glasses and just watch some good defense, watch that man play football because, my Lord, it is entertaining. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I've said this now multiple times in the past month, but I, I want to get Latavius Murray back, and I can't believe that's a sentence that I need to say uh, for this Ravens roster of running backs. But we need Latavius Murray back. He's, I would think, the. I mean, Devonta Freeman has looked okay. He's also looked like a guy that his legs have dealt with a lot of carries and a lot of hits and a lot of yards, and the burst isn't quite there anymore for Freeman. Latavius Murray, a little bit of that too, but of the three sort of veteran backs with him and Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray has looked like the guy with the most explosiveness left. Uh, I don't think we're going to get him back. I've not heard any sort of positive movement in terms of Murray being back at practice or being limited at practice. He's just sort of been sort of nursing uh, the injury that has kept him out for the last few games, but it would be nice if we could hear some positive news on a Wednesday that, that Murray is back practicing with the Ravens. We will see how that goes. Otherwise, it's just interesting, yeah. too. Sorry, Antonio. Just to jump in on that, on the running back conversation, because everybody, you're thinking, well... Maybe give Tyson Williams a chance. Here's Harbaugh on Tyson Williams right now, or on Monday, excuse me, in his press conference. Uh, when he was asked what Tyson Williams needs to do to get a role, quote, if you're a running back, you need to run hard, break tackles, get yards, pass protect, run the right route out of the backfield, catch the ball, and get up the field. If you're in the rotation, special teams sure would help you as well. Take that for what you will. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh, just a, a doozy, just another fantastic day uh, of answering <laughs> questions. I think somebody asked him at a certain point whether or not the Ravens had prepared to handle blitzes, and he sort of did the like, oh, yeah, we've prepared 
we have some exciting stuff coming to like handle the blitz next time it comes or something like that. Just perfect John Harbaugh, uh, you know, Monday quotes. So we'll see, John. We'll see how the Ravens look against the blitz on Sunday. Turning now for the Ravens defensively against the Bears offense. The Bears have absolutely struggled to get yards and to score points. They are 31st in yards per game this season. They are 29th in points per game. They only average 16.7 points a game, trying to work with the rookie Justin Fields, who didn't start the year as the starter and then was used for a couple of plays, and then there were calls to have him start, and then he wasn't the starter, but maybe he would be the starter. Then he came in when Andy Dalton got hurt, but he would not remain the starter when Andy Dalton got healthy, and now he is the starter, and it has been certainly a mixed bag for for Fields and for the Bears offensively. Guys, do they turn it around against a Ravens defense that has at times struggled to tackle, at times had miscommunications and blown coverages, um, and certainly has enough guys out or banged up on that side of the ball to make any other offense's job much easier? What do you guys see? from the Bears offensively against this Ravens defense. Just quickly before Jace has an intelligent answer, I'll just say this is the time that the Ravens need to, this is an offense that you put in the ground. And we say this a lot. This is not a big play offense. This is not a big play offense. This is not a big play offense. Please do not give up the big play to this offense. Justin Fields has shown flashes. They have guys like Darnell Mooney who can be a bit of a speed demon. Allen Robinson, who, um, again, as somebody who has him on his fantasy team, has been a shadow of himself today after re or this season, excuse me, after re-signing with the Chicago Bears. Guys like Cole Komet, you know, Jimmy Graham, who's 85 years old. They have some pieces, but nothing that should really scare you. This is a, and we talked about this before, this is the last game before the big run. This is the last game before the double Steelers, the Browns in, with the Steelers in between, the Bengals, the Packers, the Rams. This is it. This is where you get a little bit of confidence rolling into that by taking care of a rookie quarterback, getting after him, as Jace noted here, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL uh, here on our document here. Um, Get after him, fluster him, bring him some looks he's never seen before, Wink, and make it that much easier for your offense who has to deal with, you know, as we talked about, the likes of Khalil Mack. Yeah, uh, so the real real matchup to watch on here is – the uh the bears have the worst passing offense in the nfl they're last in passing yards per game um which is good for the ravens because the ravens are the worst passing defense in the nfl so it'll really be a head-to-head of which unit uh is the worst in the nfl is it the bears passing offense or the ravens passing defense and if the ravens fail this one it is going to be a long long final two months uh, this season um I'm 100% with Tim. They have to they have to show something in this game. They can't let Justin Fields have a good game because if they're not, they truly might win one or two games the rest of the season. Like if the Bears are throwing on you, you're hopeless against Aaron Rodgers, against Joe Burrow a second time. Baker Mayfield could probably light you up if uh if Justin Fields as a rookie can. Um cuz I'm just so concerned about that. I I think you you just have to assert your assert your dominance on this game. This is a Bears team, I think, playing out the string. I think Matt Nagy is not going to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears next year. 
I think this is a team that's basically quit on their current coach, and the Ravens have to just come up with the answers. They need the 10 days to just have a great plan. Historically, the Ravens are great against rookie QBs. John Harbaugh, I couldn't find the exact number. He's something like 19-6 and six against uh, rookie quarterbacks, if um, a number I read online is to be believed. But, uh, um but so they need to just have a similar performance. They can't, they just can't because if they do, it it's, it just bodes so poorly for the, the, the whole rest of the year and, and some takeaways too off a of rookie QB would be great. The Ravens have the third fewest takeaways in the NFL. They're behind only the Jags and the 49ers in terms of not getting takeaways. Um, so that you have to get one, at least one, against a rookie quarterback. So those are kind of the things I'm keying in on. But certainly the how the Ravens' passing defense fares against the Bears' passing game is like the matchup to watch because I think it, I think it just holds so much sway over how the whole rest of the season is going to play out for the Ravens. Yeah, Jace, I agree. But who who on that defense is going to get a turnover? I don't <laughs> know where the interception is coming from. I don't know who the playmakers are outside of Calais Campbell stopping a runner in the backfield. I feel like that's the best thing this defense can do. And yet I'm taking the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens and I'm taking the points. I can't be deterred. I've been so bad with them all year. Of course I picked the Ravens to beat and cover against the Dolphins. I had them in two different bets last week. Uh, both of those were... Uh, losers before we even got to the weekend which was nice that's always a good uh, a good start to your gambling week i think lamar jackson is going to be the best player on the field by a country mile in this game and i think that's going to be enough almost by itself i even with the bears having mild success offensively even with the occasional blown coverage where fields you know looks like he's going to scramble then stops and finds a very open uh, Cole Komet downfield or Allen Robinson on the sideline with Stevens, uh, Brandon Stevens trying to chase him 20 yards behind. I still think that that's going to lead to the Bears getting 15 to 20 points max uh, in this game. And I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I think Lamar Jackson is not going to have back-to-back performances uh that were as bad as that Miami game. I think this Ravens team was embarrassed on national television, and they do tend to respond in those situations. So I think they're going to start much stronger in the first quarter. I'm optimistic. A touch, Dare I say a touchdown in the first quarter from this Ravens offense, and I think that's almost going to be enough uh, to just take control of the, the I don't want to say the momentum, but the flow of this game. Uh, and I think the Bears, uh, the Bears, oh boy, I think the Ravens win, and I think they cover. I'm taking them at minus six and a half. And then maybe the Ravens will deal with some struggles after this game. But it will not be this day. It will not be against the Chicago Bears. Elsewhere in the NFL, I'm taking the Green Bay Packers at minus two and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. I just need to see the Aaron Rodgers lose, basically. I, this line is less than a field goal. They're a better team than the Vikings. I know it's in Minnesota, but Aaron Rodgers indoors is going to be how I respond to them playing against Minnesota and being on the road. I think the Packers cover this closer to a touchdown than a field goal, so I love Green Bay at minus 2.5. 
And then I'm taking a, a, a larger line here, but New England is traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. The Patriots are minus six and a half in that game. And I, I'm like turning into a Mac Jones believer, and I hate it, and I don't like it. But for gambling, I think New England, this is the perfect game for New England, the perfect team where the Patriots are going to execute and do all the little things, and the Falcons do not execute and do all the little things poorly. And that is how New England ends up winning this game by double digits. They're going to figure out how to cover Kyle Pitts, and Matt Ryan's going to struggle to find anybody else on the field. So I'm taking New England, minus 6.5. Green Bay, minus 2.5. And I'm taking the Ravens, minus six and a half, going to Chicago, going to Soldier Field. I don't believe in the Bears' offense. I don't think they can move the ball. I don't think they can do anything. So the Ravens will do just enough uh, and win and cover this game. I've been so wrong on the Ravens so many times this year. And I, my faith in any of their lines, I think, for the rest of the year was completely shaken by that Dolphins game. I, I don't know what to think. All their wins outside of the Chargers game and the Broncos game have been close. They probably haven't covered the spreads in those games. Um, and I just I just can't bring myself to do it on the heels of that uh, of that, that Dolphins disaster. I, I have to go with the line of the Bears. I think the Ravens win, but I think it is in the four to three point range. Um, uh, you mentioned Soldier Field, Antonio. One, uh, I believe, the smallest stadium in the NFL. You know, Bears fans are passionate, but you know, if, 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 there's only about sixty-five thousand of them in what there. What are you saying, Jace? That the the crowd noise is going to be less of a factor? Crowd noise can't be a problem in this game. It just can't. It was a problem <laughs> in a half full Hard Rock that was mostly uh, Ravens fans. I know, oh but uh, it's just they they have to play at Pittsburgh at some point. Cleveland would be significantly louder um so uh, that worries me but I, I still think the ravens win this game I, I i mean i did say i'd be absolutely stunned if they lost to the dolphins and i was but um i i like their chances bouncing back to win i just can't i don't have the faith in this team at this point to to go with that big a number um i'm right there with you on the packers i think they'll look a lot better with a, a full week of rogers practice uh kind of back to normal um, I think that was an underrated part of the game, but you know, which they still got a shutout win. Their defense has been playing really well this year. Um, so uh, the Vikings scare me a bit. Um, cause they can do anything on any given week. I think that's been clear. Um, but so that concerns me. And then we talked about both of these teams in passing, but I'm going to take the saints at plus one and a half, uh, at the Philadelphia Eagles, um, this week, the Eagles have actually been like, shockingly competent uh or at least certainly were against the broncos they've been running the ball pretty well um they're not the greatest team but i don't think they should be favored um like they're not the worst team but i i just don't think nick's a nick sirianni team should be favored against a sean payton team i think payton even though they've they you know they've they've lost their two non-jamis games uh, they've been right in them, and especially against the Titans, I think it was pretty impressive to fight back. You know, they could have tied that game in the fourth quarter, uh, on a, had a chance at a two-point conversion in the final minutes um, uh, to tie. So I think they're, you know, I think they're gonna win. I don't think they're gonna go winless without Jameis Winston. I think Sean Payton's too good a coach, and so I, I think they win this game against the Eagles. Um, just, I it's mainly just faith in, in Sean Payton. I like the Saints defense a lot, and I, I think he'll figure out enough things to get points 
um, to, to win on their own uh, as an underdog. The Eagles are just one of a list of like 17 teams that I have now. I have no idea what they're going to do from one week to the next, whether they're going to blow someone out get blown out or have an awesome, you know, two minute drill game where they either win or lose. I have no, I don't understand what's happening in the NFL this season. Yeah. I, it's something like all, I think all but one team in the NFC is only like a game back of, or in losses of a playoff spot right now. It's like every team is just like right there. And then there's also the lions. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a wild year. Um, Yeah. Real quickly. I obviously picked Baltimore. They did not win. I lost Tampa. And then I picked – I got to stop picking the Monday game because I picked Rams minus four. It's now minus three and a half against San Fran. As of recording, you'll see if I was either 0-3 or 1-2. and Not that it really matters. This week, you know, you guys have said it all. I'm not going to say it. It's for me and the, the Ravens bets that I have win. It's they win. They don't cover. That's why it's Chicago plus six and a half for me. It's going to be a tough, terrible game, and we're not going to be feel good going into the stretch run here. I'm with you on Green Bay, minus two and a half. Um, Minnesota just had their win, which means they're definitely going to disappoint. Minis- Green Bay <laughs> is also 8-1 and one against the spread this season, and they are 8-0 and oh in their last eight, the only one coming in week one when they got demolished by the Saints. They cash, and th- I think they're going to do it again against the Vikings. Um, and then for me, there's a couple here. I- I'll go with my maybes first, although I wouldn't recommend these. And the first one's Cleveland, and I'm never going to recommend you to pick Cleveland. But Cleveland minus 10, home to Detroit. Nick Chubb probably comes back. Cleveland needs it. Detroit just got their moral, quote-unquote, victory. So maybe Cleveland blows them out. We'll see, but Cleveland's bad, so who knows. And then Buffalo minus 7 is interesting. But my, uh, my third pick to go with Chicago and Green Bay, I can't quit the Cowboys. Dallas plus two at Arrowhead. I know this is a big prove-it game for the Chiefs. The Chiefs need to show again that they are another good team. But you know what? It's a prove-it game for the Cowboys, too. Some people are a little annoyed about uh, what happened with the Falcons. Maybe their big blowout win against Atlanta showed some people some things. But I think if this Cowboys team wants to be considered that team that everybody wants to say they are because everybody loves the Cowboys, they need to go in and win this game against the Kansas City side who, excuse me, outside of last week, has not played that well. They're the underdog. I know they're away from home, but Dak Prescott's probably been the most impressive quarterback in, in the league this year. So Dallas plus two, I would get it now because it's probably going to move because people are going to like that line, see Dallas plus points and want to take it. But I just think, you know, Kansas City never covers. They never cover. They covered last Sunday night. Good for them. But outside of that, they never cover Give me the Cowboys, a revamped defense that does just enough against Patrick Mahomes to get the victory here for the Cowboys. Tim, I like that pick. I I actually wonder if that line is not going to move in Kansas City's favor just because they finally had this big we're back national Maybe. spotlight Maybe. win. Uh, but I do like it. Dallas, I was about to say Dallas is good, but I don't know that either because they got – Blown out by the Denver Broncos at home. I don't get anyone, but I do like this pick uh, with a good team and an offensive juggernaut getting points against a bad Kansas City defense. So we'll see. Uh, we will see how that goes. The only thing left to do here is answer the random Raven. Jace, I'm dying. I need more. Give me these clues one more time and add that bonus clue at the end, please. Yeah, so clue number one. This player spent just one season with the Ravens in 2002. 
Though he did not begin the season as the starter, he ended it as the leading passer on the 2002 Ravens with 2,084 yards after future random Raven Chris Redmond was forced out of the lineup for the final 10 games of that season due to a back injury. Our random Raven posted a 4-6 record as the starter in 2002, throwing 13 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. This player was a sixth-round pick of the New York Jets in 1992, but prior to his time in Baltimore, he saw his greatest success with the rival Cincinnati Bengals, where he played from 1994 to 1999. He even made a Pro Bowl with the Bengals in 1995 after throwing for 3,822 yards and 28 touchdowns. Clue number five. In all, this player took the field for seven different NFL franchises, with the Chicago Bears being his last stop in 2005. Then the bonus clue, um, I just went pretty straightforward because uh, I didn't, had no recollection of what the number actually was. This player award number 11, occupied currently by James Prochet and worn by such luminaries as Kamar, uh, former Random Raven Kamar Aiken and uh, Seth Roberts as well. So my first guess before, before the Cincinnati thing was Anthony Wright, but it's not him. Um, I was hoping for a clue about a massive comeback against the Seahawks or whatever, and that just never happened. And I'm pretty sure this guy got picked by the Cincinnati Bengals and not the Jets, so this is wrong. But like, and I don't think he was a Raven. But the only name I can think of is Achilles Smith. Like, I, that's it was not Achilles Smith. This guy did play with Achilles Smith, though. Um, Hold on, Antonio. Yeah. Any... Go ahead. Go ahead, Antonio. Go ahead. I'm so annoyed. I I feel like it's like on the tip of my tongue. I'm gonna flip the laptop when you say what the name is. I mean, the only other Bengals quarterback I have right now in my head is John Kitna, and I'm like, I know it's not him. So it's not John Kitna. Yeah. Uh, the answer is Jeff Blake. Oh my oh, gosh. God. <laughs> that guy played yeah. for the Ravens. Oh. Yeah. For ten ten games. <laughs> played eleven games. Starter for ten Jeez. games. Um, for the 2002 Ravens, he was the leading, the leading passer for the 02. Ravens, for you so. young Ravens fans, never forget you have Lamar Jackson. It could always be worse. Seriously, it was Chris Redman to Jeff Blake, Elvis Gerback before years that. Two removed from a Super Bowl, <laughs> that was what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a, a rough stretch there. Um, that tandem uh, inspired them to draft Kyle Bowler, which also obviously did not work out. <laughs> Um, it was it was a rough a rough uh a rough few years but yeah jeff blake i have vague recollections of him i did not remember him being the leading passer uh i also did not remember chris redmond being hurt because i remember as a kid being mad that redmond wasn't playing i guess i didn't have the internet so i just didn't know that he had a back injury (laughs) jace that's one of the best uh random ravens that we've had in quite a while just because you went with a quarterback and we were unable to name it. So to the listeners, if one of you got this and you're going to have to be honest that you actually remembered this, this dude on that team, please let us know. And we will give you all the props for uh, one of the randomest Ravens that we've had in, in a couple of months here on pod, like a Raven, but that's going to do it for us. Uh, I think I'm the only one picking the Ra- I am the only one taking the Ravens this week. So, um, you know, if the listener, if you guys are winners like me, then you'll be cheering for the Ravens to win and cover this minus six and a half line. All three of us picking Green Bay, which I like. All three of us having Green Bay at minus two and a half, uh, if you're interested in that particular game. But that is going to do it for us. We will be back next week to talk about whatever the heck else happens in the NFL 
what other ridiculous game that the Ravens are involved in. Um, but we will be excited and happy to bring it to you. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.